Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Come join the conversation on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. Yeah, how about that? I get to do the big show today. And this may be one of your only times to uh, call in day after Christmas. And this gives you uh, a chance. We can talk Packers. We can talk some things that happen on Christmas. And can we just stop shooting each other? Wouldn't that be nice for one day of the year of all days? Please, Christmas, stop it. Packers are firmly in the mix for a playoff berth. I think I saw that their chances are 30 to 35% chance of making the playoffs. But... I think the Giants and Commanders both have to lose out. There's a lot of things that have to happen still for them to be put into a good spot because they got competition still. And they got some tough teams that they're going to be facing towards the end of the year that like to play the spoil, including the Lions at the end. Would love to do that. But we're going to keep things open for you. A talk and text line at 855-616-1620. And right when we were coming into the break, we saw that the announcement came from the Denver Broncos. Got the former offensive coordinator, but... Now, former head coach for the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett has split ways with the Broncos. They always make it sound so nice. The statement that came out, on behalf of our ownership and organization, I want to thank Nathaniel Hackett for his dedication as head coach of the Denver Broncos. And then they mentioned that they had someone watch him as he cleaned out his desk. Isn't that always a kick in the head? They, oh, we need to escort you out of the building because we don't trust you type of mentality. I just made that last part up. I don't know if they actually watched him, but I'm guessing they did. I, he might not even have been there at the building. Who knows how these things work out? So they're going to lead a head coaching search and go from there. Of course, the last couple of years, he had some success with Green Bay. Goes over to Denver. They had a lot of high hopes for him, but uh, not so much. He had a lot of success with Aaron Rodgers. Not so much with Russell Wilson and his big contract that's been a huge bust so far. And they have just played pathetic in Denver. Not so much. The team is 4-11 and on the year. So he's out. Didn't even wait till the end of the year. He barely even had a chance to sign autographs there, didn't he? But Packers are in the mix. I mean, they could potentially capitalize if the Giants and Commanders get some losses in there. And I don't know if people still have hope. I think some people always want to have hope for the Packers. They never want to believe that, oh, the Packers aren't going to make it. But here they are. They actually have better hope than the 5-10% they were sitting a couple of weeks ago. 855-616-1620 if you want to call or text in. Of course, the big story, of course, that, you know, the Packers win. But over that, the flights that were canceled, the terrible weather, it has just been a complete mess with this winter cold. And so many different areas have had incredibly difficult trying times, Buffalo being one of them. You see all the snow that just dropped in Buffalo, and people have lost their lives going to try to rescue other people in that snow. It is really bad. And it also reminds you of just how difficult it is on your body when you're out there shoveling or doing anything else. It's very taxing, and people have to be reminded, hey, take it easy. Don't overexert yourself. The last thing we want to do is find your frozen corpse on the front lawn. So please, cut it out. Take it easy. If you can't do it, call someone that can. And if not, check on your neighbors. Maybe you're capable of helping your neighbors in situations like this. Buffalo, sometimes you just can't. Even the rescuers needed rescuing after all that snow dumped on to them after already seeing a ton of snow earlier in the season. But uh, Milwaukee flights canceled due to winter weather. That's been tough. 
I would say the least of your troubles is trash pickup in Milwaukee. I saw this story. WISN was reporting it. Can we play clip number one? to salting and plowing the rows because of this snowstorm. Uh, so for that reason, and coupled with the holiday hours, they're not going to be picking up trash or recycling until next week, Tuesday, because Friday through Monday are observed as holidays. And that might be a problem for people who already have overflowing bins. And then people are still taking out trash. So yeah, it's probably going to be overloaded um, by the time they pick it up next week. Uh, there's going to be a huge pile up. That's a shame. Yeah, do you think that's going to affect where you live at all? Yes, definitely. There's a lot of people. They produce a lot of waste. The Department of Public Works says that people are still required to leave their bins out at the collection point, making sure that any snow or ice is removed around the bins so when they get to them by Tuesday, uh, workers won't have any issues. All right, so that came out last week, so Tuesday meeting tomorrow. So they're going to start trash pickup yet again. They had to redirect some of their help for the plows, the salting, rightfully so. Let me just say this. Uh, and I understand why some people are upset when you look at the overflowing trash bins that are out there. You just went through Christmas. That means you have a bunch of toy boxes. You have a bunch of wrapping paper. You just had family over. So you might have a lot of waste, stuff to throw away, you know, extra food that's no longer good, containers, whatever. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of things out there. Let's put it this way. Uh, you're lucky if the only thing you have to complain about is trash at this point. Uh, think of all the people that miss their flights because of all the delays of the cold and the, the travel restrictions, people that had to sleep three days at the airport, people that lost their luggage because of all the craziness that's going on. Think of all the people that lost power and don't know when they're going to get it back and don't have alternate ways to heat up. Think of all the people that can't afford to heat their homes. Some people are saying to themselves, man, I can't run the heat all day because I don't know if I can afford it. Energy cost is so high and everything else costs so much. Then I can't, maybe I'll run it an hour at a time, but then I got to turn it off. Think of people that may have had their pipes burst. You're at your house and something happens and the copper piping slid in it. Boom. Water leaking in your basement or worse other places. And you don't know how to turn it off or maybe you weren't even there. Think about all these people that are just miserable because of all of these compounded things, if you're complaining about trash, enough. <laughs> Quiet, all right? You can handle the trash issue. One missed pickup isn't the end of the world. That is the least of the worries of people around this country right now. They might have snow up to their eyebrows right now, and they don't know what to do because they haven't talked to a loved one in a while because they can't communicate. Those are real problems. Trash pickup. I think you can let that one go. 855-616-1620. Any other week, it would have been fine. Like, okay, any other week, I would have been happy to complain with you about trash pickup not coming when they should. But right now, hey, listen, if that's the worst of your troubles, you're doing pretty good. When we come back, uh, Merry Christmas. Can we stop shooting at each other for one stupid day? A few of those stories coming up on uh, the show here. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Jeff Wagner today, and we're going to spend the next couple of hours. It'll be easier if we can spend it together. I do have a topic I want to bring up a little bit later, and maybe I'll do it in the next segment, that the newspaper put up regarding substance abuse among pregnant women. They uh, have a couple of opinion pieces out. There's one particular that says the punishments are too high, meaning that if you are addicted and you're pregnant, then 
essentially it's I think more I don't know what the stance is essentially it's morally wrong to punish pregnant women to shame them for um, being having an addiction while pregnant so we're going to talk about that in the next segment too I think that's kind of an interesting take that I don't agree with let's look at what happened over the weekend there's still shootings there's still people committing violence can we just for a day stop it with the shooting the homicides in Milwaukee are way too high and they continue to rise and it's the last week of the year and the numbers are already much higher than they were last year and that's not the way you want to be trending the story that i saw uh and reported here is that they're just people traveling on 94 and i see that the county puts out an alert it says an unfortunate but necessary incident alert for christmas day following reports of gunfire from one vehicle towards another they had the freeway closed for an investigation, which they later opened up. This was about midday or so on Christmas Day. Can we stop shooting each other for one day? I feel like I need to say it spread out and slower. It's so frustrating. Of all days, you think that maybe someone would put the gun down. It would be Christmas Day of all times. But no, no. People act like morons and don't care what day it is and people will do stupid things and it don't matter and they'll do it to hurt other people and it don't matter to them one day after another same thing I saw and this may be more of an accident than anything else but there was a good Samaritan a firefighter that stopped on 894 West Dallas and he was just trying to help this person out when another car came crashing on him. This is last week, and I was trying to find an update on this Good Samaritan. I haven't seen an update posted so far yet today. His name is Josh Lip, and he's still trying to recover from this. It's such a sad thing, because when the weather is bad, I understand that sometimes you can lose control of your vehicle, but the way people drive, it makes me wonder. Um, they know, like, they know they're driving bad. And what the, the, that's the problem. There's no repercussion in a lot of these ways, as in, oh, they'll drive bad, They'll maybe speed, go through red lights. They might run people off the road. They'll go on oncoming traffic. They'll use the left turn lane to go around people. They don't care what the traffic may dictate. There may be people in the road, and they'll still zoom by them. And that's the problem. When temperatures get bad and the roadways get bad, people don't necessarily change their driving habit in the way that they should. So dangerous drivers become even more dangerous, and that ends up hurting people. Can we play clip number three from TMJ4? Off-duty Mequon firefighter Josh Lips was driving along I-894 Friday when amid wintry and icy conditions, he noticed a crash on the side of the road near National Avenue. It's kind of in our nature as uh, first responders to do that. And like I said, none of us are surprised to find out that Josh would stop to help somebody. According to the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office, two vehicles were involved in a crash. The Mequon Fire Department says Josh pulled over to try and help. That's when a fourth vehicle crashed into the scene, killing the driver Josh was helping and seriously injuring Josh. And he uh, suffered a uh, jaw fracture. Um, his back is fractured with two uh, fractured vertebrae. It's just terrible. And I see the stories online and they're trying to raise some money for the hospitalization and all the pain that he's in right now. But I, I tried to find an update today. I didn't see an update on Josh. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that he recovers. And I hope that this past weekend was one moving in the right direction and not the wrong direction. But I just go back to looking at it. The way people drive, you have good Samaritans, innocent people getting hurt. You have people completely ignoring traffic laws. It doesn't matter if the roads are icy. They don't change their driving habit. You have people on Christmas shooting at other people. You have people getting hurt. You have kids getting hurt. 
Stop it, please. For the, it was just one day we asked you to put it down. Stop it. Come on. And that's not the type of news you want to wake up to and read about on Christmas. And that's maybe one of the reasons why what's more important is what's going on in your own home and the things that you can control when it comes to your family, the way that they act and behave, the, what, the, their own safety, the things that you can do inside of your own home. That is so important. And spend and cherish those memories that you have together as family, Christmas or not. You never know what's going to happen in the future. It's just another reminder. It's a crazy, crazy world. There was a, there was a story uh, in the journal, and I wanted to talk about it, about substance abuse in pregnant women. And I want to take some of your calls on it. We are live here on December 26th. I'd love to hear from you. And we'll take some of those calls and text messages after the break as we set this up. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. And I'm Ryan Recker. I wanted to uh, bring up this one story in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and I want to get your thoughts on it since we are live here on December 26th. It's uh, 12.25 p.m. Uh, give us a call. Give us a text. Substance abuse among pregnant women, are the punishments too high? Meaning that if you are caught with a substance and you're pregnant, meaning that you have some sort of addiction most likely, then you have to seek treatment. You could find yourself even in jail if you don't accept the treatment you pick. And that's what happens to a lot of different women. And the argument that's being made in this one story on JS Online essentially says that that is not the right thing to do, meaning that these women are in trouble and you're criminalizing women who are sick, ultimately damaging them worse by punishing them for substance abuse while they're pregnant. I, I look at this and I look at the different arguments of it, and I don't know what the right approach may be. I do think there should be a way to prevent the woman from killing her unborn child through substance abuse, because that very well could happen. Um, and we know that. We know that through eternal care that there's a lot that could happen to that child while inside. And depending on how heavy the abuse or whatever it is, there can be all kinds of complications leading up to the pregnancy and even after. They used this term back in the 90s that called the crack baby. You may have heard that term before, and they say that's like the wrong way to think of it. In fact, that started uh, the hysterics around this and why people wanted to essentially crack down and say we don't want women to be taking substances, and we need to step in on their behalf to help that child. I say crack down. I didn't mean that as a pun by any means. 855-616-1620. You can call or text that line. Substance abuse among pregnant women. Um, basically, hey, you get treatment or you get jail. You pick. Which one do you want? Do you want to get treated, get clean, or we're going to have to force you to get clean? You go to jail while pregnant. Are the punishments too high? Because that's what some of these doctors, apparently in this one article from the Journal Sentinel, point out. And, th and this is what they say. I wanted to read parts of it to you. And I do want to take your calls. I want you to uh, let me know if you're actually listening. This is the thing I'm worried about. It's the day after Christmas. It's historically a week when a lot of people are on vacation or away from the radio because they're not working, they're not in the car, whatever it is. And I'm afraid that this whole week is going to be a slow one and no one's going to want to use their phone. And I don't want to talk to myself this whole time. I need you to prove that you're there. Just at least text me or call in on this subject, 855-616-1620. See, that's, that's me begging. Uh, we'll see how that works out. It's not good, is it, though? What do they say, the, the old wives' tales and the... Older generation, begging's uh, unattractive. 
here's what they say as part of this. Uh, the laws themselves are criminalizing women who are sick and ultimately damaging them by potentially having them be traumatized by a civil detention instead of getting them a, a access to the care and treatment they may need. I get that. Let's put it this way. If you've known people that had drug abuse issues, opioid usage issues, uh, in, in, among them some really nasty addictive stuff, and you leave it to them to make themselves clean, how often does that work out? Now, I, I'm, I don't mean that as a rhetorical I don't think it works out all that well. I think for the most part, people that try to battle addictions on their own end up failing. It happens over and over and over again. And it doesn't even have to be opioids. It doesn't have to be fentanyl or any of these other things that you find on the street. If someone is an alcoholic, they have interventions for that person because they realize it's very difficult for them to turn things around and their self-awareness makes it nearly impossible for them to do that. And it, it's not that it can happen, but it makes it more more difficult. And the likelihood of success is a lot lower unless you have intervention from other people, normally loved ones, family, and friends. Same thing when it comes to substance abuse. If you have a child who abuses drugs, you can bring them into your house. And you know what that's like, always watching them constantly. Even when you have a loved one trying to take care of them, and you may have been that loved one through this situation, you realize that there are a lot of outside influences, old friends, whatever it is, that try to turn them back to the way they were. And sometimes they're not strong enough to say no. When you add the extra factor of pregnancy into it, you also have the care of that unborn child in your mind. And sometimes in order to help that unborn child, the only resourceful answer and for the own good of the person, the mother involved, is to step in with treatment, forced treatment, whatever it is, because they can't do it on their own. And that child will hurt and suffer long term over the course of their life if they can't turn that around. Here's a couple of other things they say. Substance use disorder is a medical disease that needs to be treated just like diabetes, high blood pressure, asthma. I don't think opioid abuse should be put into the same category as diabetes and high blood pressure. In some ways, I guess you can say your diet factors into these things, your well-being, your diet and choices that you make with your weight or whatever it is could factor into high blood pressure, diabetes. But still, I think it's a lot different than the addictive nature of the pills or drugs or whatever you smoke or inject going into your body for that high. It's, I think, different. But the medical disease is a lot more self-inflicted in this one. And that's why when you're self-inflicting a pregnant woman, you're also self-inflicting an innocent child that's in there. It says, fear of punitive action under Act 292 potentially deters pregnant women from seeking both parental and substance abuse treatment. Okay? You tell me, is it wrong and is the punishment too high on pregnant women to force them into treatment? I don't think it is. In fact, I think it's necessary. 855-616-1620. Call or text 855-616-1620. I'd like to hear from you. Got some text messages. I think Bob called in and hung up. So at least we have some people that are checking out the show here today as we are live on WTMJ the day after Christmas. They get a guy like me, Ryan Recker, to fill in. 
And I only have a few shows this week, and I don't know if I'll be doing many shows after that. I'm going to actually be moving here before you know it, and I'll be in a different state, and I don't know if I'll be doing many fill-ins after that move. So this may be one of the last couple of shows I get welcome back on WTMJ. I'm going to miss you guys. It's been fun the last couple of months doing these shows. 855-616-1620. And here's the Wisconsin law that discusses what goes on when it comes to women with substance abuse disorders. And... They have what they call enforcement of Act 292, depends on where you reside in Wisconsin. But that's the thing. You are pregnant, you're a woman, and you're found to have substance abuse issues. The state needs to step in and to help that unborn child and to help that woman who wasn't able to kick the addiction. You would think, by the way, that if you were to have the self-control to stop, which during an addiction, it's very difficult, and very few people can do that, so the odds are against you already. The one thing that may have gotten you to the point of going cold turkey clean probably would have been finding out that you're pregnant. If that doesn't stop you, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do it on your own. It's just not going to happen. You need the intervention of another service. And if you can't seek the help you need and get the help you need, then the state needs to step in for the good of that child. I think that's fine. In fact, I think that's necessary in a lot of different ways to help both parties, the mom and the child. But when I read the posts, or excuse me, the uh, Journal Sentinel today, I was reading some of the different opinions on this. And essentially what they say is you're criminalizing an addiction. And because you're criminalizing that, it's no different than criminalizing other medical diseases such as diabetes and asthma. The fear of punitive action potentially deters pregnant women, they say, from seeking parental and substance use treatment. Um, no, I'm sorry. You have to step in. Let me read some of these text messages. But if you want to call in, I would like to hear from you. 855-616-1620. One person message. Yes, unless a pregnant woman can prove that she has financial means to completely take care of herself and her potentially drug-addicted baby and all of its potential problems after it's born, I definitely think society should be allowed to monitor her and take care of her during the pregnancy. Because almost certainly the rest of society will have to financially take care of that baby. I got to tell you, this is one of those really tough situations because let's say that child is given up for adoption and they have extreme medical issues. What's the likelihood that an average couple that's going through the process of adoption would be able to take on that financial burden without knowing what's going on? If you were to foster the child, the state would take care of all the medical side of it. And a lot of times you have parents that foster to adopt because they want to be able to help and they have it on their hearts and they're great people. But do you think they would be able to go the extra step, let's say the option to adopt, if that got to the point, if they knew there was all these medical problems that they couldn't afford because their insurance isn't as good. Well, think about the, the life also for that child. It's a very difficult one. I've known people that have been born through a mother who had addictions. And the medical problems that they had throughout their life were consistent over and over and over and over. So many different medical problems, nonstop. It's hard to be optimistic about life when all you think about is, well, if my mom wasn't smoking crack or whatever when I was in the womb, then maybe life wouldn't have been like this. Maybe it's better you step in to give that child a chance. And I think it's not a bad thing. Uh, one person said drug treatment is so difficult, the addict must be truly ready. That is true. 
So you have to be accepting of that. And some of them say that we don't have the amount of resources and money set aside to truly battle this sort of thing. Um, but the person has to be a willing participant. I, I get that. Maybe it's easier for that person to be a willing participant if they're making that decision while they're sober, meaning that they have a better, clear mind. If they're making that with those chemicals in their mind still telling them to get that high, then they're not going to think straight. You know how hard that is to get through to someone when all they want to do is get that next high. It's terrible. Uh, one person said, current topic is one I don't have an answer to. As a child whose father was an abusive alcoholic, any addiction by either parent affects forever the child's physically in the womb, the mother with the addiction, emotional physically with their father. Uh, as an abuser of drugs or alcohol, people lack the coherent judgment to do the right thing. And if that's the case, let's say you don't have the support system, the parents, whatever it is, that is something that makes it, I think, even easier of a case for the state to step in and say, you don't have anyone else here to help you, uh, you like it or not. Um, one person said, crack mothers were criminalized, opioid mothers get treatment. Okay, another text message said, uh, Ryan just tuned in, love listening to your show. Yes, offer pregnant women treatment and support. I think it could be mandatory to do regular testing. If you're pregnant, a lot of times what they, uh, how the state normally finds out about it is you go to the doctor to get a checkup or whatever it is. They have a suspect that you may be on drugs. They'll either run a test or they'll file some sort of report saying, hey, we think this person's on so-and-so, and that really gets the ball rolling. Uh, one person said, good to hear you on WTMJ today. Always enjoyed your fill-in. Sorry to hear you'll no longer be doing that. Best of luck. Oh, that's very nice. See, I don't know. You never know what the future looks like, honestly. But I, I'm going to be moving here shortly, and I'm going to do a show today. Of course, we're, we're on right now, and I'll do a show tomorrow. But the future after that's a little bit weird. This is what I would encourage you to do. If, if you um, enjoyed my fill-in work, I'd love to stay in touch with you guys. I have a website, ryanrecker.com, W-R-E-C-K-E-R. -E That's just one way you can reach the show, uh, at least for me. You can find my links to social media on there, at Ryan Recker on Twitter, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. I definitely would like to stay in touch. Thank you for the text messages that came in. I knew that this would be a slow day. So I was hoping that we'd get some people calling in. I'm just glad we get people with the text messages. Thank you for that. Uh, coming up after the break, there's a viral TikTok trend that some uh, doctors say are dangerous. Stop me if you've heard this one, but this one's a little bit different than the other ones. It's not telling you to eat Tide Pods, but it's telling you to do something not as dumb, but pretty dumb, which we'll discuss after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. All right. Text messages coming in. I see one from John who said, Are you moving to Milwaukee? No, I am not. Thank you for that, though. No, I, I will be moving to a different city and I accepted a job somewhere else. So I am doing a couple of fill in shows here and then after that. Who knows what the future holds? That anything could happen. But I got to say, the last couple of months doing some fill-in work here for the station has been truly a great honor to the call letters at WTMJ and all the regulars that I continue to see on the text messaging. It's so awesome to see that. So thank you for that. Um, let me go back to another topic. TikTok is known for its trends. One of its trends would happen to be the, I think the one that got on, it, on the map was the Tide Pod Challenge 
where people would say, go ahead and put this Tide Pod in your mouth, which essentially you're putting soap in your mouth, highly condensed, very toxic soap, and you can get very sick or die digesting this stuff, which is a terrible idea. Got to the point where people were even locking them up inside the stores because they were afraid by even the idea of someone joking about it. There were trends online where people were like opening up ice cream and licking them, and it's just such a weird thing, the stupid, destructive trends that were out there. There's a new trend on social media, the viral TikTok do-it-yourself dental hack trend. So people will go online and they'll say, you know what, uh, people overpay for dentistry work all the time. I know how to get it cheap. I'm going to teach you how to do it cheap. So things like teeth whitening, dentists say, you know, are pretty mild compared to some of the other things that are out there. Like, if you want to whiten your teeth, how many people do you know that have used, like, baking soda? You know, it's, people have done stuff like that forever to the point where they started infusing it inside of toothpaste. And I want to try to put this in a context because my grandma would read Reader's Digest as if it was a medical book. She would take all the advice in it. And some of the stuff on TikTok is like that. It's just basically Reader's Digest you know, minor teeth whitening hacks and things like that. And then it starts to up its game a little bit. Then they start to use denture wax to create their own vampire fangs. Okay, that seems pretty harmless. Do-it-yourself veneers. I don't know about that one. And then they're learning things like teeth shaving. You shave your teeth in order to give the appearance that they're more straight. I'll tell you what, just the thought of trying to use a nail file on my teeth makes me cringe. Like, it, it's, ugh. it's almost like the, you know how they would do the nails on a chalkboard sound, and then you would, oh, I can't stand it. Get that noise out of here. Just the idea of grinding your teeth down sounds so terrible. And as dentists like to point out, it's not just bad for it. If you do it wrong, you're going to be in a world of hurt. I mean, uh, your teeth are so sensitive under that enamel, and it's not coming back. If you go too far and you hit a nerve or even further down, you're going to be in constant pain until you go see a doctor nonstop. That's not going to recover. Remember that scene in Castaway where Tom Hanks has that bad tooth, so he has to, like, try to chip it out because it's so painful, and the pain is so bad that it knocks him out like he goes unconscious on this island? Imagine that, but you're self-inflicting it when you have the opportunity to actually uh, be fine and take care of your teeth the right way. It seems like all of these things, like TikTok and YouTube, telling you how to do everything in your life. Don't get me wrong. I like to do YouTube tutorials, but normally I wouldn't do it for teeth care. And producer Evan, who uh, we were talking during the break, you said there was another viral trend that was going on TikTok just this past weekend. What was that, uh, producer Evan? Yeah, it was um, telling your uh, parent that their favorite celebrity passed away and just like, uh, record their reaction from it. So uh, picture your favorite celebrity and your child says, hey, so-and-so passed away at this time. I'm not going to name celebrity names because I don't want to start a rumor and get pulled into the boss's office. Oh, but yeah, okay. that's been the latest one. No, Evan, start a rumor. We'll get it going on social media. We'll tag WTMJ on it. We'll get a million views. And then they won't be mad because it'll get so many views. But the thing that you don't want to happen is them to quote you as the originator for it. Yeah. And then you're in trouble because they're going to come back and haunt you and find you. Like all the fans will not be happy. Like you named Taylor Swift or something. The fans would be so upset. They would find you at your house 
and burn it down. That's how upset they would be. Um, so do you even know who your parents' favorite celebrity is? Well, my mom's favorite celebrity has since, you know, passed away a long time ago. Elvis was her all-time favorite singer, so mm-hmm. can't really pull that one on her too much. And I can't remember who my dad's was. Yeah. The Eagles was his favorite band, so I guess maybe somebody from that or from the band Chicago, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know who I would say to my parents for something like that. Uh, and same thing with my kids. I'm so disconnected from pop culture. I don't even know if my kids would be able to pull this prank on me with you know me caring enough of who that person is. Well, that's an interesting trend. That seems a little bit easier to pull off than the other one. Uh, I would rather someone try to pull that type of prank on me than me falling for the idea of grinding my teeth down with a nail file. Sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, that or the NyQuil chicken trend that was going around about a couple months ago. What chicken trend? Well, NyQuil. save it. I want to hear about this after the break. <laughs> we don't, we got to go. But I, I didn't know about the chicken trend. Maybe we'll get to that. Uh, one other thing I need to find out. If your kids are off on break right now, you better keep them on a routine as some Experts agree. We'll play some of that coming up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. Uh, Reading the text messages in a society where we are supposed to be getting smarter and more conscientious and becoming kinder. It seems like social media is sending us back into the caveman era. Yeah, do your own. I'm a do-it-yourself type of guy. I look at all the different trends online. If I need to do a car repair, you better believe the first thing I'm doing is looking at a YouTube video and determining if I can do that repair by myself. I just do. I'd I'd save money because I'm cheap. I'll tell you, there's certain hacks that have worked for me. Let me give you a hack. I have a oven, and the door wasn't closing all the way. So when I was cooking, sometimes some of the steam would come up through the top crack of the oven and it would make the front plate where the little knobs are warm. And I didn't like that. And I thought, oh, great. I'm going to have to buy new hinges. They're like 40 bucks a piece. Worst case scenario, I'm going to have to buy a new oven door. That sounds miserable. I don't want to do that. So I looked online. I was like, is there anything I can do to fix this? Can I just buy new insulation? You know, they got that little weather stripping that goes around the mouth of the oven. Like, oh, even that's expensive. And you got to buy the clips and all that. And then I found a hack on YouTube and it said, this is what, try this first before you do anything else. Take like a towel and fold it up really good, right? And then put it onto the one hinge that isn't closing all the way. And then try to force close the oven door. Sometimes that'll pop it out enough where the door will kind of readjust and it'll close fully. So I said, you know what? This takes all but 90 seconds to do. So I grabbed a towel, folded it up. I put it into the one crack. I closed it like the door. You can tell there's the resistance because the towel's jammed in the bottom hinge area. And I'll tell you what, that fixed it. I was the happiest boy on the face of the earth. And I thought, from here on out, YouTube everything. Now, there's some things I'll go online and realize I'm never going to fix. If the spring on my garage door goes out, I don't want to be decapitated trying to change a spring because I followed a bad YouTube tutorial. Same thing with my teeth. If they say, okay, just grind your teeth down with a nail file, I'm not stupid. I'm not doing that. But if it says that, hey, um, you can get bad breath out if you just brush your tongue, then I'll try that. You know, there's some dentist things that do end up working out. And producer Evan, you were telling me, I, we only got like 10 seconds, but one of the other trends, people were cooking chicken and NyQuil. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Who in their right mind would ever do something like that? It makes think, no sense at all. I think I've said during the break that TikTok is both 
a good and a bad thing at the same time. Like it, it be it can be entertaining, but there's some stupid stuff out there too. Like it's all some bad. of the stuff you're talking about. It's all bad. It's Chinese owned run servers that steal all your data and your private information, probably straight off your phone constantly. Don't have it on your phone if you don't have to, and don't follow the hacks if you can't. All right, I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Jeff Wagner. Don't go anywhere on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. I don't know if you saw the news today, but Vladimir Putin has come out and said, you know, I think I'm ready to negotiate with those involved regarding this whole war with Ukraine. Oh, man. I I look back at this, and I know that Zelensky has called Russia an absolute evil, which they are, following all the different strikes in his country. You understand fully where he's coming from. President Biden uh, wants what would peace look like. He wants to try to negotiate and help those things. I don't think he's an active participant in trying to negotiate peace. If anything, I think he's an active participant in signing the checks over to Ukraine over and over and over again as we continue to spend a ton of money in that country in order to help them with their efforts to fight off Russia which I understand. I understand. I want to support Ukraine, but I don't want to support endless amounts of money going to Ukraine, money that we don't have to begin with. And we've been doing this for a long time, and we continue every time we turn around to give Ukraine more money. It gives me more reserve to say, when is it going to be enough? We can't just list them as a dependent and take care of them as if they were our own land. It would be different if it was the United States invading, let's say Russia, over to Alaska. Then it would be over. Like, we wouldn't even have to bother with it because we know that we'd overpower Russia. Look at how everyone thought Russia was going to be this big power and they're just going to steamroll Ukraine. Oh, this little tiny country and this little tiny itsy-bitsy baby country. And you got, oh, the force of Russia. Oh, motherland. You know, they get in there and they thought they would just send in the tanks and the planes and take over. And you know what? It didn't really work out like that. Sure, some of the bordering major cities that were on the eastern side of the country... They took that because it's just crossing the border. But when it came to them taking the rest of the country, not so fast. In fact, Ukraine has been able to fight back over and over and over again. And good for Ukraine to do that. Vladimir Putin coming up on this year marker understands that he's in a bad spot. He probably doesn't have that much longer or that much more left in the tank. His forces are absolutely depleted, demoralized. They don't want to fight anymore. And he's seeing this as a no-win situation for him. How do you say face? Well, he says... He's ready to negotiate with everyone involved, end quote. Zelensky and Biden apparently discussed uh, peace. I think Zelensky laid out a series of 10 conditions that must be met for peace to be achieved, including total Russian withdrawal from the Ukrainian territory. I don't know how likely that is. Um, That's a tough thing. I think that uh, total withdrawal from Russia... I don't know what you'd have to promise them for that, meaning that, hey, we won't retaliate as much, or is it too late? Do they have to get something from this? Is it the point of no return for Russia for trying to hop on over to Ukraine? Um, Is it really cut Russia off for the rest of time? How do you handle these things with Russia? Uh, Is it the charge Putin with a war crime? Is that part of it? How How do you get past this? And a new regime comes in that's probably worse than him and takes over, and then, you know, they play that little that they, they play that idea out as long as they need to for the appearance of it and to get Russia back into trading status with some of these other countries and the sanctions lifted off. I don't know exactly what that looks like. 
But let's put it up to the people. I'm going to ask you, are you ready to negotiate with Putin to end the war with Ukraine? Or do you want to see this one fought to the end, no concessions whatsoever, and we continue to fund this war? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. I want to see Ukraine win. I think Ukraine will win if they continue on with this, with the support of all these other countries. I think here in the United States, we were right to support Ukraine. We are right to go against China to say, or excuse me, uh, Russia. And you know what? We could probably even go further and say we're right to condemn other countries that are supporting Russia right now, including China. And that would be the right thing to do to, to punish them as well for enabling them and giving them funds to continue with this unrighteous war. So let's look at it a step further. Um, I'm willing to say that the United States of America at some point has to tell Ukraine that we can't afford to indefinitely fund their safety. And we want to help, but we can't afford it much longer. Meaning, hey, Ukraine, hey, Zelensky, you better figure this out soon. You're going to be under constant bombardment, and you're going to have to find a way to defend yourself because we can't keep footing the check. And I understand that we can give you resources and support. We can be on your side, but we got to get other things going. One of the best things that probably could have happened was trying to force the hand to get them into NATO because then they would have that defense necessary and they should have been in NATO to begin with. All of these, they should have forced uh, NATO admittance. They really should have. The United States should have tried to. But alas, here we are. That didn't happen. But let's uh, put it to you. If you were able to pick or choose, should we go to the table with Vladimir Putin and work this out? negotiate an end, or do you want to fight this to the end to make Russia look bad, force them out of there so you have a full total win from Ukraine? Which one would you choose? 855-616-1620. I want to hear from you. Text messages, calls. 855-616-1620. Continue to fight and support Ukraine financially, or let's cap this off. Let's negotiate an end. 855 616 1620. Quite frankly, I'm tired of giving all this money to Ukraine. I think that we've done a lot, and I think that we have to wean them off of it and try to negotiate something here so this could end and it doesn't go on forever. 855-616-1620. We'll take some of your calls and text messages after the break. I'd like to hear from you. We are live on this December 26th. I'd like to uh, see if the phone line's still working. Coming up on WTMJ. Welcome back to the Jeff Wagner Show, 855-616-1620. I'm Ryan Recker, and if you like to call in this whole uh, Putin thing, it's quite interesting that now he says, oh, now I'm ready. There's been so many other issues with Vladimir Putin. The idea that he may be sick, battling some kind of terminal illness. He's been getting medical help from, I guess, doctors even from outside of Russia with the pure paranoia that if you were to try to get a Russian doctor, they might not be too happy with the direction of the country, so they might not give him the best care. Um, it is quite the story that he's ready to come to the negotiation table, and it's something that should have happened a long time ago. I think some people even said that the countries, or at least if you look at Ukraine as a country in those eastern cities, kind of considered themselves closer to Russian territories than Ukrainian territories to begin with, uh, mostly because they were so close to that border that, you know, they kind of like shared a lot of the cultural things. So when Russia came in, it wasn't the worst problem that they had. 
that it wasn't the the worst thing that they maybe looked at as Russian territories. In fact, there were pictures of them that looked pretty happy, some of the leaders there. I guess that could have been under duress, but it's been like that for a while at least. So would it be the worst thing if Ukraine had to give up one of those cities on the eastern border? Is that looked at as a loss for them if that gets Russia out of there? But if anything, here's what I would want to see as part of the negotiation. Wouldn't that be nice if Ukraine said, we will sign off on you taking that one city that is all the way to the east. But here's the trade-off. NATO, you let us in. So if Russia pulls any shenanigans, I want you to defend with us. None of this garbage that promised you would help step in if anyone would come and try something with us. And then when push came to shove, you say, oh, no, we might send you a check, but you're on your own, kid. It's garbage. I mean, if you go back to the 90s and when Ukraine gave up the nukes, part of the understanding is that, well, they're going to descale and remove these from the country. And if anything ever comes up in the future where they would normally need these to defend themselves, other countries will step in, including the United States, that makes that promise. And more or less, it was a pinky promise than anything else. But Ukraine took it very seriously because you're giving up your nukes. Then what ends up happening to begin with? What ends up happening is that we don't step in when we should have. So do you think part of the negotiations that are going on today inside of this Russia and Ukraine, I would say if I were Vladimir Putin and I were Zelensky, I would say, listen, that one all the way to the eastern border seems to be friendly to Russia to begin with. You've already occupied it. You've had it pretty much from the start. You can have it. That can become Russia. We'll rewrite the borders. NATO backs us up. And if I even... If I even feel your sneeze on my side of the border, we're coming at you with full NATO. Okay? Here's some text messages. Uh, Peace talks, but oust Putin. Okay? Uh, Here's another one that said, in a society, we're supposed to... Okay, oh, that's the wrong one. Try negotiations. Okay, give it a negotiations. One person said, total win because of war crimes committed. Pay now or pay later. So how do you make Russia pay even further? I mean, they're broke. There's nothing you can do to recuperate what they've done to you. It's over. Uh, and they've pretty much been Austri- uh, uh, they've, they've been pretty much kicked off of everyone's radar when it comes to trading. Uh, then continue with that. You know, continue to have the sanctions that the other countries have to really push it home that we're not working with that country anymore. Uh, one person said, two conditions must be maintained. Russia gives back the area it took illegally and must pay reparations like Germany did. Ooh, reparations now is what you're talking about says, don't forget China is watching. Okay. Um, I am confused. Uh, Okay. One person messaged in. Why are you leaving us? Uh, Maybe I'll talk about that later. One person said, from Michael and Lake Geneva, the only reason Ukraine has been able to push back effectively against Russia is because the U.S. has contributed billions and billions of military and financial aid. But I would say the United States has been somewhat uh, cautious. They don't want to enforce no-fly zones because they say that's going to enable Russia to justify further war and action against the United States. So they say, okay, uh, we won't out. So uh, what? Even the idea of the United States offering up anti-missile defenses and those type of pieces of equipment, they wanted to look at that as some sort of war crime against Russia, and then they would be able to use that as a way to fight the United States, and the United States didn't want any part of that, so they kind of shied away from that outside of financial support. But it does need to go a step further, because this is nonsense. They have to do something to ensure that this won't happen again. And that's why I think, yeah, out Putin, and then on top of that, get NATO involved, and then that way it's an automatic defense. 
one person said, Happy, uh, Merry belated Christmas. Best wishes to you and your family. Thank you very much from Ray texting that in. Uh, one person messaged in. Uh, we heard the background. We're on. Oh, and the producer. I see. We got that. Thank you very much for that message, too. All right. Some really good text messages coming in. If you want to call in about this Ukraine and Russia topic, maybe if Putin coming to the table wouldn't be the worst thing. I would rather wrap this up. I'd rather get it over with. I'd rather not have to worry about it. And I'd rather not have to write a check to Russia ever again, or to to Ukraine ever again. That would be nice to get some financial reparations for the hardship that they put onto it. But wouldn't that be nice if the United States was ever to get repaid for this? I mean, how would they get repaid? wouldn't i mean maybe the satisfaction of knowing that they helped someone in a situation against the bad guys that's a lot of times all the united states needs but we got to get something in return not hunter biden something in return we need to as a country get something in return let's not send any more bidens over there to profit off of it okay 855-616-1620 we'll take a break i'm ryan wrecker on wtmj i'll read some more of your text messages coming up uh, 855-616-1620. I was hopeful. I thought, oh, man, maybe the phone lines are not working right now. Maybe the storm took them out. But here we are. Thank goodness Tom from Oak Creek gave us a call. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Biden last summer signed an uh, act, a uh, land lease act, like we did with England in 1940s. All that money and equipment we're sending to Ukraine is all coming back. When the war ends, Ukraine's going to be a very rich country with all the, they're the breadbasket of the Europe and uh, Asia. So uh, that's why Russia wants it. So uh, don't worry about that. We're going to get it all back. I don't know if we will. You think the United States would basically say that's the funds you need to rebuild, so we're not giving you any more? No, we could have gave England a break. England just paid off their debt in 1980, so we didn't give them a break. Everybody paid us back. You, so I guess I don't know about this uh, payback. Okay. How many years did right. England take to pay us back? Uh, what, 25 years? Uh, okay. Roughly. Yeah. Gotcha. So, I mean, you, you know, it was in the billions of dollars. It took them forever to pay us back, but we did get paid back. And this line lease act is the same thing. Uh, they Sure, it might take them 20 years, but you know what? I'm a veteran, and I'd rather see us sending equipment over than soldiers. Thank you. Sounds good. Thank you very much for the call, Tom. Appreciate that. 855-616-1620. A person texted in. Uh, curious, did you ever serve in combat? No, uh, I have not. Another text message. I don't think Ukraine would go for it. I also don't think the United States would just give up part of Southern California to Mexico if we were in Ukraine situation. It's so different than the United States because we have the ability to defend ourselves. We have the military and the defense budget that we take very seriously to the tune of more serious than any other country in the world. We develop the weapons, we develop the, the missiles, we develop the aircraft, we develop all these things. And because of it, we have the ability to defend ourselves. I think if you were to go to California and there was some sort of Mexican invasion through the border where their intention was to take land, do you think the citizens in California would fight back or do you think they would say that, well, no, we took this from California to begin, no, we, we took this land from Mexico to begin with, so it's rightfully theirs. That's the type of wokeness do you think would go on in California, which they would allow the takeover? I think depending on what state you're in, let's say Texas, they would fight back. 
we're talking about a well-regulated militia, meaning the people in that sense, then sure, they'd be able to fight back. But let's put it this way. If we didn't have the resources, so let's say hypothetically the United States was dirt poor and we had Mexico try to hop on over the border. And let's say Canada is the exact same country it is today. In our situation, we are dirt poor. Um, well, we have resources. We have, I think, the willpower to fight, much like Ukraine has the willpower to fight. I think we have a lot easier time defending our border because it's, um, you know, if, if you look at the the nature of the Mexican-United States border, well, you know, I take that back. We don't, we can't even secure the border the way it is right now. So maybe we don't have much different of a nature. But I would say that I would hope that some of our allies would actually be able to um, would actually be able to step up in a situation like this. They would see the benefit of Canada stepping in, as opposed to us begging. England or someone overseas to try to help take over the situation. And you think Canada would step in? Possibly. I mean, being the country they are, they, they might do something like that. They've helped the United States in the past. But imagine if we had to rely on Spain <laughs> and, hey, can you help us? Or I'm trying to think of a big economy, Germany. Well, Germany, we need you to help us. Come on over here to our poor Americans. I don't know if that would hold us over all that well, honestly. But luckily, we're not in that position, and luckily, we'll never be in that position. 855-616-1620 is the number. All right, when we come back after the break, we got a lot more to uh, get to in the show. We're only halfway through. TikTok bans government devices, and it raises, um, uh, is banned on government devices, and it raises some pretty big questions about the platform's future. I do want to talk about what we've seen so far with China and the United States when it comes to the security problems of that app, TikTok. And why in the world would anyone here listening today actually have that spying device on your smartphone. It doesn't make any sense. We'll talk about that. One person, this hypothetical is my real opinion. Mexico could probably just have California. Oh, that's hilarious. Person texting in. Eight five. What a afternoon, the day after Christmas. Hopefully everything's well. My kids enjoyed all their toys. As far as I know, they're still playing with them. That's a good sign, right? They're not bored of them the day after. Oh, man. And they didn't play with the boxes. That's the thing. You get a nice big toy with a nice big box. Next thing you know, that's a house or that's a tank or that's a whatever. Nope. Didn't pay, play with the boxes. That's a good sign. We did our job. And when I say we, I'm only me and my wife who does all the shopping for the family. She knows what's up with that. Uh, let's look at this TikTok banned on government devices. And this is a good thing. And this is something that should have happened an awful long ago. TikTok is getting banned from a growing number of federal and state devices, underscoring how political winds are turning against the platform, given worries about China and raising questions about its future. Republicans and Democrats both want TikTok off of federal employee devices. I know here in Wisconsin, that debate even came up here. They want them off of devices. If you work for the government, we don't want China spying on you. And it's more than just, hey, uh, you know, it's just us being mean to China. We're just xenophobic or whatever they want to call you for today's uh, hot topic. But let's be real. It's a company that's owned by China. The servers and the technology is maintained by China, which has the ability to monitor all the traffic on it. In the back end of it, they can look at your messages, your private messages, and the things that uh, are, are sending back and forth because, well, basically they have the key to it. And on top of that, when you have the TikTok app installed on your phone, there are vulnerabilities installed with that too. 
So they have the ability to, I don't know, take a little peeksy-weeksy into your phone. And one of the things that they were uh, charged with doing is being able to even learn what's on your clipboard on your phone. The clipboard meaning the things that you copy and paste. If you have ever had to copy and paste a username, an address, a phone number, a password, these are things that could be logged through the app and sent back to the Chinese servers, which they're able to use and maybe even profile with you. And you give up information to sign up for these apps. You normally give your email address, your name, sometimes your phone number, things like that. So they have these profiles and now they can continue to use this as a way to monitor you on top of the other information that's mined from you. What's on your phone? What have you copied on your phone? Clipboard, whatnot. This is scary, scary stuff. If you work for the government, you have a government phone, there could be government secrets, maybe not top secret secrets. It's not like that you're uh, a member and a staff member of Area 51 and, oh, now they can get in and know if aliens exist. No, we're talking about things that sometimes the public are not meant to see, not in a secretive type of way, but in a privileged type of way. Sometimes you're working with government documents, and that's something that you don't want a foreign entity to be able to look at or see. Um, and that's why they're saying that we need to get this off of our devices. It's that much of a security risk. We also have to look at some of the different equipment that China produces. And I think we need to go further than just the app on TikTok, the things that we invite onto our phone voluntarily, because it's not you know forced onto it. But a lot of these pieces of technology, the computer boards and chips that are produced in China because they're super cheap to produce, also has the ability to spy on you. And I've had security experts and I've talked to them about the potential of this happening. So if you have a major computer company here in the United States and they get their computer worked on in the chips, in the motherboards and all these other things inside of China, which they all do, because you know that's the way the game works when you're trying to get cheap products. They have the ability to maybe impose a small little chip on this motherboard that could potentially send information back to China or whatever entity and do it covertly. As in, it may run just with no power, essentially very untraceable. It may send very small amounts of data back so it can go undetectable. It, it's negligible at best, but it's just enough information to send information back or maybe even offer a backdoor for hackers from other countries in order to get into that what should be secure database. Um, I've talked to people that worked at some very secure government job type of places. And I asked, what that's, what's that like, the security-wise? And they said, oh, oh, man. So as soon as you go in, you got to put up your cell phone. You're not allowed to bring any device into it. And they said their internal network is just that, internal, meaning that it has no connection to the outside world. You have one computer that may have internet and connection to the outside world, but all of the trade secrets, everything else on another computer, that is separate. That has no connection to the internet and no ability for anyone to be able to come on and steal that information because you can't hack something unless you are physically there. And if you are physically there, they're watching and monitoring you all that you do. That's the type of way that some government and government contracted defense areas and, and uh, companies go through those extreme lengths to try to keep their secrets. And they rightfully show, uh, so should do that. On the other hand, then there's some people that have no regard for security. So you have one that go through extreme lengths, and then you have some that don't mind you installing 
a piece of software that could easily be used to monitor you from China, and that is TikTok. Of course, get rid of this thing. And we should have gotten rid of this on government in all computers, all uh, cell phones a long time ago. I think back when Donald Trump started bringing this up because it became an issue, I think originally he said, you know what, we should become part owners in this thing. That way, if it operates here in the United States, you know, maybe that's a way for us to monitor it. But I don't know if that government overreaches was necessary in an instant like this. Maybe the right answer was, you know, forget about trying to keep them honest. Just treat them as a spy and get them out of here. Don't have it whatsoever. Maybe the next step is to try to just stop it altogether in the United States and tell these teenagers and these early 20-year-olds, whoever's watching this content, to go somewhere else to get it. Maybe find another company that offers the same thing and ban TikTok. That's not necessarily a bad thing, knowing the way that they've infiltrated so many different areas in technology. That would be the right thing to do is to get rid of it. 855-616-1620. That's the call and text line, 855-616-1620. I want to talk about a bail group that shuts down after they were sued and the reason why they were sued. And this is good because I think this needs to happen more often, that these organizations get shut down. Also coming up, I found such a great Jeff Wagner-style topic when it comes to lawsuits, and that's going to be coming up later this hour, too. I'd like to hear from you, 855-616-1620. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas with your family. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in on WTMJ. Welcome back to WTMJ. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in. I'll be in here today and tomorrow, but you'll be in... Great hands uh, after that. I think, is Jeff off the entire week? He's been here for so long, he gets the best vacation schedule. It makes anyone envious. Uh, one day I hope to have a vacation schedule as such. Uh, before yes, we Jeff go is off this, all week. Okay, yeah, that's good. I think you'll have some fun with uh, different fill-ins leading into New Year. And this is the week to take off because it's a slow week. Listenership goes down because most people aren't by the radio because they're not working, they're not driving, they're spending time with family, they're doing the right things, you know. So uh, if you are one of those people that are forced to work this week, I feel for you because here I am as well, 855-616-1620. So during the break, producer Evan was telling me about a story. <laughs> Can we talk about this? Because I'm, what a story. You were telling me about phishing because uh, phishing is what is considered in the tech world. Sometimes people will send emails out or will put information on the web. And essentially what it's doing is trying to fish for information. So it's trying to cast the net and try to reel in as much information. Normally people clicking on links voluntarily giving up information. And they use that to either, you know, I don't know, sometimes steal your account information, sometimes steal your identity, sometimes market to you. Some Who knows what they're going to do. But it's it's really nefarious, the things that they do. Uh, so when we're talking about TikTok and the way that they violate all kinds of different uh, privacies when it comes to technology, it reminded you of a phishing scheme. Well, that wasn't a phishing scheme, a phishing test that went on inside the county. So yeah. can you tell me what happened? Well, I'm not going to mention which county, so just okay. to keep that off on the air. But I work full time outside of here Monday through Friday. I'm usually not here Mondays because, you know, I'm off because of the holidays. So I'm here working during the holiday. But anyways, between... Here and my full-time job, they've been sending a lot of uh, mock phishing emails out to try to catch people, uh, I guess, lacking. So you click yep, on so it, and then it makes you uh, do a, a uh, IT training if you click on it. If you, if you yeah, report so it as like phishing, phishing, 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, like engineers or the IT tech will send this out to test the employees to see if they're smart enough to avoid it. And the ones that aren't smart enough to avoid it normally are de deflected to training so they can learn not to click those type of links. It's a way to try to train them in a real life scenario, test them. Yeah. So the company who I work for outside of here, um, they sent one out beginning part of December. Um, basically stating that, hey, we're giving away Christmas bonuses and the, this increments to be, uh, we're going to randomly pick people to be registered to win, click on this link. And there was a overwhelming response of people clicking it because um, they thought it was legit and ended up having to do IT training. And a lot of people weren't <sighs> happy because, you know, we're dealing with difficult times, energy prices yeah. going up, food prices, all that. And then it's like, hey, we're going to give you a Christmas bonus. Ah, just kidding. <laughs> So a lot of people were not too happy about that. And fortunately, they did make it right um, by um, basically doing what the mock fishing expedition said they were going to do. Yeah. And they basically did make it right, thankfully. Yeah, oh, man, I can't imagine how angry people would be because they get the email and it's meant to look like it's coming from your boss or your company. And normally they'll create a fake email address that looks very similar to it and they they are very convincing a lot of times these emails to try, yeah. to try to trick you so hey click on this to uh sign up for the holiday bonus and people are thinking yeah. wow isn't that nice and I, i've been so underappreciated this year i've been working this whole time i haven't even got a that a boy from my company <laughs> let alone acknowledgement isn't that nice they're actually going to give us a bonus this year well, you know what maybe 2022 wasn't so bad so they clicked the link and instantly they said you're a loser for clicking this <laughs> you're not getting a bonus and on top of it, you're going to have to sit through more stupid training. I will say oh. I don't know specifically what the email said because I reported as phishing because, one, it seemed too good to be true. And, two, it had the little disclaimer on it that it appears to have come from outside of my organization. And uh -huh. that's automatically a red flag. So you were one of the good guys. You yeah. saw that as a threat. You reported it. And you thought, oh, maybe this is how we get our bonus. We have to pass the test. Nope. And I you guess don't. my advice would be for people in general with email, even for personal, like if this email seems too good to be true, it likely is. So just delete it or report it as phishing and be done with it. And hopefully it gets filtered into your spam folder eventually like those. You get a free Amazon gift card or things like that. It's likely phishing. And there's usually a word in an email that or allegedly sent it that isn't correct. And that's the way to prevent your email from being hacked. Yep. Well, there's a lot of tips out there and there's a lot of IT people listening right now thinking to themselves, note to self, don't falsely claim bonuses as part of our training. Yeah. And note to self, 855-616-1620. You know, anyone listening here actually get a Christmas bonus from your work? Or is that a thing of the past? Honestly, I think it's a thing of the past. Uh, did you get any from WTMJ? Yeah, I know you work mostly weekends, but did they give any bonuses this year? Not that I'm aware of. And the last time I got any kind of Christmas bonus is been two years ago, where they uh, gave everybody. I want to. I think it was a hundred bucks or something like that. The, Ooh, co the company wow. I was working for at the time had a really good year, so they rewarded company. the employees. So okay, yeah. Did anyone here listening actually get a Christmas bonus this year? What'd you get? 
Uh, was it the was it the meat of the month club? What do they get in Christmas vacation? A fruit of the month club? 855-616-1620. If you got a bonus, let me know what it is. I'm just curious. A real one, not a fake one, like these phishing scams. I'm Ryan Recker on WTMJ. We're looking at some of these text messages that I'm going to have to call shenanigans on. We'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, I thought holiday bonuses were a thing of the past. I didn't realize companies actually gave out bonuses anymore. Maybe it's just because I work in radio and radio companies, <laughs> for the most part, don't have bonus money to give out. You're just happy to have a job. Uh, 855-616-1620. Uh, Michelle in Waukesha, welcome to WTMJ. Hi, go ahead. Hi. Um, so I work in healthcare. I work for a small company. And during COVID, we got hit really bad. At one point, we took a 10% pay cut. We got it back, and then we took a 5% pay cut. We got that back, and our boss surprised us earlier this year. Not only are we getting a 5% pay increase, we got a 5% bonus based on what our annual salary is. And I'm not going to say what that is because... But no, he's he was really good to us. He made good. Wow. How about that? Uh, that is nice to hear, Michelle. So is this not necessarily typical? It sounds like this may be the first time you've received a bonus. Uh, well, it's the first time I received a raise since I worked for the company, and I'm not going to say no to it. Yep, got it. Hey, thank you very much, Michelle. Appreciate that. One person texted thank in. Thank you. Uh, the company I work for had a great financial year, and I got a $10,000 bonus. I'm calling shenanigans on that. That can't be real. If it's real, the person that texted that in, please message me where you work and if you are hiring. 855-616-1620. One person said Menards gives a great bonus based on years of service in the form of a store gift certificate, you'll spend it at Menards. They have groceries at Menards. That's where I get my Spreckers. I get it here in St. Louis from Menards, distribution-wise. They also have, uh, they also distribute lots of matzah, the frozen pizzas here in St. Louis that way. Another text message said, my company gives a $100 expense for a holiday meal that we can use at bar, restaurant, or grocery store. That's pretty nice. One person said, yes, I got a generous cash bonus, $2,700. Ooh, man, that sounds great. Again, I work in radio. In general, radio is like, you know what? Our bonus is to you. We're not firing you before Christmas. We'll at least wait until after the new year, but not even that is true anymore. Uh, radio is a tough business. Yikes. One person said, I work in the mental health field, and my employer gave everyone who worked over 500 hours in the year a bonus, I believe, about $1,500. Oh, that's really nice. Text message, $1,000 bonus every year. I really need to maybe work in a bonus structure wherever I work next and say, hey, I need a Christmas bonus, whatever that is. Even if it's 100 bucks, I want it, and I want it guaranteed. Well, okay, looks like a lot of people get bonuses. Lucky for you guys, however you may spend it. Another hour, the Jeff Wagner program coming up. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now filling in for Jeff Wagner, here's your host, Ryan Recker. So all these people texting in are making me very jealous. Very, very jealous. 
all these people getting holiday bonuses and things. Um, you know, I, I tell you what, I've been doing a lot of radio fill-in work, and I'm going to be starting a new job here in a couple of weeks. So this will be one of my last shows on WTMJ. You never know what the future looks like. I shouldn't say last, last, but you never know. But the morning show after a Christmas or New Year, they start an hour later. So normally they would start at 5 a.m., but kind of as a little, like, it, to me, I looked at it, and I treated it as a gift. We started at 6 a.m., so I got an extra hour off this morning to do the fill-in work. That was awesome. Uh, I'll take that. That, to me, was my holiday bonus. Okay, so I'm pretty happy. You know, basically, I get an extra free hour of work. So I didn't, you know, I don't have to, like, lose any money from that. It's just an extra free hour where I got to sleep in. Okay, let's take a look at the text messages. Um, I got $2,500 this year. Oh, I'm too jealous. I can't read. No, stop. All these people making money. One person said, my company bonus was $8,000. My goodness, how is that possible? It's in the wrong industry. You know, I'm happy with getting an extra hour off to sleep in. 855-616-1620. Let me ask you about one of the stories that happened over the weekend. So there were another group of illegal aliens that entered the country. And then due to the processing and how it works out, make it to the side. They're allowed to stay in the United States if they, you know, get to a certain point and with the promise that their court date will come up sometime in the future, which obviously probably means they'll never be checked on ever again or they won't show up for their court date, whatever it may be. So what Texas and some other states, I think Florida may be included, have been doing is saying, OK, this is great. Um, what we'll do is we're going to uh, say you don't have to stay here in Texas. I mean, that's part of it, right? Normally, you get to go wherever you want. So if you don't know where you're going, I know we'll send you to a great place. We'll send you to one of these sanctuary cities or whatever. And some of these different places that they've been busing people to don't appreciate the number of migrants that have been coming to their state. Ironically speaking, they should be open to this if they're open to open borders. So they've been selectively picking certain areas that have been advocating for Texas and all these other states to pick up the tab and to offer all of these social services, but they are unwilling to do it themselves or pitch in. So here's what happened over the weekend, and, and this is where I'm going to ask you if you think this is a good practice or bad practice. Over the weekend, there was on Saturday night, Sunday morning, we'll say Sunday morning, about 140 migrants were dropped off on Christmas Eve near Vice President Kamala Harris's official residence the Naval Observatory. So not at, but near the vice president's, one of the vice president's homes. And that's where you start to see this. And we're talking about the Naval Observatory. So we're talking about like the official, not like her private residence or anything like that. That's just where the vice president stays. But considering that it's Christmas Eve, she's not there, right? She's back home, whatever that home may be. I don't even know where her, her main home would probably be in California or something. But they, her and other advocates were dropped off, and the migrants were there. And what normally happens is when these things are dropped off to the migrants, uh, there's churches and volunteer groups that pick them up, bring them in, things like that. But these volunteer networks are overloaded. These churches are overloaded because so many of these different buses continue to arise. And so many people are upset because they hear the headline, oh, they're dropping her off in front of Kamala Harris's house. Well, no, it's the vice president's residence, which I'm sure she's not there on Christmas Eve. They all go home and they all travel away from that, much like you would see President Biden traveling away 
oh, I don't know, every week from the White House back to Delaware. So do you have problems with that? Do you have problems with maybe in Texas, them busing migrants out of the state to some of these areas that have openly said, oh, yeah, we need to open up our borders or whatever. Okay, fine. We're going we're gonna to move the border to you. Do you have any problem with that? Do you look at that as uh, negative? Do you look at that as dirty? Do you look at that as like, oh, that's a cheap political ploy with people's lives? Or do you look at it as more poetic justice, as in, okay, fine, if you're so okay with it, then we'll let you take care of it, because we've been doing that over and over and over again by the multitudes here in Texas. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. They call this a bigger political game. They have no idea that they're a pawn in this political game. The bus drops off in common areas around D.C., mostly because, you know, Washington, D.C. is where the politicians are. So that's why they would normally drop them off in D.C. We're going to let you decide what to do. I mean, we want you to really feel the gravity of what's happening here. And it's not right for what you're doing to Texas, Florida, and some of these other border states. I guess Arizona and California could be included in that. But you start to talk to residents in California, they're upset. Texas, they're upset. Florida, they're upset. Wherever it is where they may be coming in, whatever that port may be, if there's uh, illegal immigration coming in, they got to go somewhere, right? If that's the policy, then maybe D.C. is not the worst place. But they've been going to New York. I think they've been dropping them off in other Chicago's, another big place. And they hate it. You know, all these different large cities who said, you know, made it a game to begin with when it comes to the southern border. When push came to shove and put your money where your mouth is, they decided to, you know, continue to talk as opposed to help. 855-616-1620. Do you like this? Do you hate this? I'm just curious. We'll take a break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in WTMJ. Start here. Looking at the text messages, one person said, this is absolutely awesome. You cannot convince me that this is not political. The liberals are setting the policy, and I think they love it that the states with the most problems are generally conservative. That's, I'm guessing, immigration problems. The whole uh, country, especially the sanctuary cities and the people setting the policy, should be sharing in the wealth of problems. Okay, so when you say this is absolutely political, nothing but political, um, can, this is, okay, you can't convince me this is not political. I got it. So it became political when you made it political, as in setting the policies and wanting open borders. Okay, there you go. So you essentially welcome this in. D.C., we'll make this uh, your part of your problem. We, we take care of ours, you take care of yours. Here you go, 855-616-1620. There was a, a story I wanted to get to, a bail group that is being forced to shut down, and rightfully so. And I hate stories like these because you see them all too often. The story essentially is, here's a charity, quote-unquote, and I say that loosely, a lot of times celebrities will donate to these type of charities, which is we're going to bail people out of prison because they're too poor to afford uh, a bail. So we're going we're gonna to bail them out. We'll give money to these organizations, and they'll look at it as we're doing, we're doing good because they were wrong to be in prison to begin with. A bail group has to shut down after being sued for helping release serial offenders including one who just went out and reoffended, shot someone else. I mean, some pretty high-profile different celebrities. I'm looking at Richard Branson. Uh, is that Donald Glover, who was in the Lethal Weapon movies? And John Legend are a few of them that are shown as part of the picture here. Oh, Danny Glover, excuse me. No, Donald Glover or Danny Glover? I'm getting them mixed up. Who's Danny the rapper? Danny Glover was in Lethal Weapon. Donald Glover, I think, is a newer actor. Okay, so 
Donald Glover is the rapper who's an actor who is in Community in Atlanta. And Danny Glover is the older one that was in Lethal Weapon. Okay, I get it. He's super liberal, by the way. Um, so, yeah, Danny Glover, John Legend, Richard Branson, they're going to have to discontinue operations due to, oh, I don't know, this happening way too much. Where people will say, okay, we are sympathetic and we think it's terrible that these poor individuals have to wait way too long in prison for their trial date. So we'll bail them out and we'll give them another chance at life. Well, how many times have you heard this story? Convicted of robbery, convicted of mayhem, convicted of deadly weapons, convicted of force, convicted of whatever. And one of these organizations come in and say, okay, you know, you're facing years behind bars for, for this. But we're going to let you out because we think you're a good dude and we trust you. And they go back out and then they hurt or kill someone else. I think these organizations that just bail out anyone they can or in any individual, a lot of times, you're almost putting your name down on the paper that you're securing that this person won't recommit or you're going to keep track of this person. But when it's an organization that's doing it, there's really no repercussion except for now when this bail group went out and, and ended up hurting someone, an offender who ended up shooting a waiter, is being sued for helping release this serial offender. Much like what you saw in Waukesha on the parade in Daryl Brooks, you wondered to yourself, uh, hey, why in the world is the mom who put this kid back out being basically given a free pass? I mean, these are honest questions. Knowing his track record and his history and the mental illness and everything else that's around it, what he was being treated for, allowing him, what, to, to drive a car that he didn't have access to? Your car, I should say, without a driver's license? I, got, I should rephrase it that way. But you know the specifics of the case. And you, you scratch your head and you say, you're essentially releasing this person out. You should be responsible for them in some matter. And I think a lot of these nonprofits try to skirt responsibility but they want all of the donations that come along with it. It's actually, it's actually real, uh, real much a, a travesty, considering how many lives have been ruined because of this sort of type of charity, and th that, that's what you want to call it. Here's another uh, lawsuit. I'm a fan of following different lawsuits and things that are out there, and I saw this one story of fans that are going to be suing a movie and in this case, I think Paramount is the company that produced the movie. If you remember it, it came out a few years ago in 2019. It's a movie called Yesterday. And Yesterday is a movie where the main character is a struggling musician, doesn't have a lot going on in his life. He is riding his bicycle at night. Power goes out all across the world. He is hit by a bus, wakes up in the hospital, and is discharged. But he wakes up into a world where the Beatles never existed as a band. I guess the individual people existed, but the actual Beatles themselves as a music group never existed. So he is shocked to find out that all of these Beatles songs that are in his mind from learning them over the years, no one's ever recorded and performed these things. So he says, okay, I'll do it, right? And, of course, it spirals out of control and gets out of hand, whatever it is. If you haven't seen the movie, it's actually a really interesting premise and a fun one. So this trailer comes out, and these two movie fans, Peter Raza in San Diego and Connor Wolf of Maryland, said they spent $4, well, $3.99 to rent this movie on Amazon Prime because they saw the trailer and it looked good. And one of the reasons why they saw the trailer is because one of their favorite actresses was in the trailer. But, unfortunate for them, 
The actress that was in the trailer never made it to the movie. They cut her scene out of it. Well, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Her name is Anna Armas, and she was in other movies. She was in um, that one, not Glass Onion, but The Knives Out. And since, you know, she's had some fame since then, it's quite interesting that the, the fame and being able to be recognizable by people, you can notice them in a trailer and say, oh, I liked her in this other thing. I'm going to go rent that movie and watch her in this thing. So they rented the movie and she wasn't in it. So they said, that's false advertising. You're not allowed to do that. Get out of here with this false advertising. So they sued and Paramount said, well, actually, it's freedom of speech. We're allowed to, oh, no, it's not Paramount, Universal Pictures, excuse me, I'm getting the wrong movie house. Universal Pictures argued that the trailer is protected by free speech, thus you cannot sue us because that actress didn't end up in the movie. Well, a judge looked at this and disagreed with Universal and said, hey, this is false advertising. You took an actress that people recognize, you put in the trailer, and when people see that, they assume that she's in the movie. Now, they may have based their decisions to rent that partially based on what they've seen in that advertisement. You falsely advertised to them. So the suit is claiming about $5 million on behalf of disappointed fans. If you've rented the movie yesterday and paid money for it, you may be getting some money back because of these two that are taking it all the way. And when I say these class action lawsuits go nowhere, if you're lucky, they might give you a you know free coupon for $0.10 cents off of shampoo or something stupid like that you know they, they you won't actually get your money back fully for buying or renting the movie it never works out that way they normally send you a coupon maybe it'll be on like amazon prime here get 50 percent off or 50 cents off your next movie or something along those lines that's what they'll do in order to try to repay people because obviously they're not going to be writing checks for a bunch of people that have seen the movie all right uh 855-616-1620 when we come back after the break Manhattan's trendiest neighborhoods are being terrorized, and there's video out of San Francisco. They've funded these little Christmas wonderlands that have been completely overrun by drug addicts and homeless. I want to talk about these things coming up after the break. I'm Brian Recker on WTMJ. Let's talk about Manhattan's trendiest neighborhoods. Yeah, let's talk about it. Some of these areas still have major crime issues in the city of Milwaukee. There's a lot of crime issues here. Uh, Milwaukee homicide uh, numbers. I've been following that. I think the journal, yep, JS Online has it tracked online. Let me just do a quick little look up here because this has been a really terrible year for the city of Milwaukee when it comes to violent crimes and particular homicides trending up from before. Right now, the number is at 221, 221 homicides. In the city of Milwaukee, that's about 27 more than this time last year. And if you look at the tracker, the thing that to me is most depressing is you find no charges have been filed. No charges have been filed. No charges have been filed. One after another after another, if they list all of the different victims of these crimes, and then sometimes a little bit of news or information about them, no charges have been filed. Sometimes it's, you know, 19-year-olds. Sometimes... The person is younger and a minor. Like even if you look, if you look at some of these uh, uh, numbers here, those between the ages of zero to seventeen, that accounts for twelve percent of the homicides. Wide majority of them are eighteen to twenty-nine, but still, if you go eighteen to thirty-nine, you're about at fifty-seven percent of the homicides. So more than half are between that chunk of eighteen to thirty-nine years old. But when you think about it, what a shame that is. Homicide victims 
that were minors, children, uh, 12% of them. Just really terrible. And only 38% of those homicides this year had charges filed associated with it. That's a shame. New York, uh, Chicago, all of these other major metropolitan cities, you find that they do have certain things in common. And a lot of times they are historically run by Democrats for long periods of time. I live in St. Louis, and it's been really bad here. And you've seen that over and over and over again. What you've seen in places like New York, they've had resurgences where they've had bad crime. And then normally something happens. In some cases, Giuliani, stop and frisk, whatever it may be, seem to really help the instances of crime. And then they revert back and they say, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Next thing you know, crime goes up again. And I don't think that surprised too many different people. Manhattan's trendiest neighborhoods terrorized by thieves as the New York Police Department depict these things. Uh, I'm going to play for you some people on the street of New York, and they're going to talk a little bit about what they see on a day-to-day basis. But Manhattan's big tourist-packed areas, people are afraid. You know, the, the shop owners, the little boutiques that are on the route, they're worried because they find that people have been robbing them. They're more brazen. They're less likely to be charged. Grand larcenies or thefts of $1,000 or more have soared up 60% in Gotham precincts over the past year. Business owners say that the state's lax bail laws for dumping suspects back on the streets, they strike over and over and over again. Going back to what we talked about last hour, that one organization where all these celebrities donate to, they're bailing people out and they go out and recommit crimes. Well, who are they committing it against? Innocent people. They're the ones that are paying for this because the celebrities feel like, oh, it's the right thing to do. And some people lose their life because of this. Now these business owners are saying enough is enough. You're, you're, you're not holding these people. They're, I mean, just completely devastating our communities and we're getting tired of it. So they went to the streets. I think the New York Post did one of those man on the streets instances and they were asking people, hey, can you, uh, Tell us what it's like where you are right here. This is clip number four. Do you feel like there's been an increase in crime in New York City? Yes, I think it's been pretty bad lately. And it's happening because the police is afraid of getting involved nowadays. People do whatever they want. I feel safe in my neighborhood, but much less so around here, especially Midtown, where I have to come to work. I'm noticing more harassment on the street, uh, a general attitude of like, I can do whatever I want. Things seem a bit more dangerous around here. Do you feel safe in New York? I do. I do feel safe. You have to be aware and of your surroundings, any place that you work or commute um, at all times. I've always felt reasonably safe in New York, but it definitely gives me more pause now than it used to. I hold my bag a little closer, make sure I hold my kids' hands. I'm always alert now, but I mean, it doesn't stop me from coming in when I need to. I don't necessarily feel safe. Uh, once it gets dark, I really don't go on the subway at all. I'll take a cab, just it gets real seedy at nighttime. Isn't that great? So they talk to the people and they say, oh, do you feel safe? No, no, things are getting worse. Crime's getting worse. Then they find someone to finally say, oh, they feel safe here. No, I feel safe. You know, I just have to wear my bulletproof vest and I have my bodyguards follow me and then I have my head on a swivel and, you know, I, I basically power walk anywhere I go and I don't go out when it's nighttime and I refuse the subway. But man, New York is safe. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll continue on with this after the break. just talked about New York City. Now, let's go all the way to San Francisco, where things are also a mess there. A lot of these California cities or West Coast cities are like that. There was a video posted on social media 
with concerned residents in San Francisco are upset with their downtown Christmas market. So they have this taxpayer-funded open-air Christmas market. I'm looking at a write-up in the Daily Mail. And you can see the, the video in the pictures of people walking through this market. So essentially, a lot of major cities will do this. They'll have a Christmas tree. They might have some decorations set up. In this case, in San Francisco, they said, oh, this will be great. We'll have a little display of the, you know, different little workshops. We'll have Santa. We'll have, you know, entertainers dressed as elves. We'll have people in snowmen outfits and reindeer. And, you know, that's just the type of little thing that you would expect kids to enjoy. So they want to be able to do something family-friendly in order to try to, you know, attract some people to go out and just, you know, be in the spirit. So a Instagram user decided to say, okay, let's show what it's really like. So here's a downtown area. Here's where this is all set up. Here's where the festivities are. And let's look at who's there. So it's an empty area where there's entertainers entertaining to no one. And as you pan out and look at the clientele that's around this in close proximity, you're looking at people that are uh, essentially using drugs, people who are and just like sad and depressed and like, you know, hunched over and not moving, people who are probably overdosing. You see lots of trash and junk all over the place. You see drug dealing, complete opposite of what you'd expect from Winter Wonderland. Who in their right mind would bring their kids down there? I don't know. But that is the taxpayer San Francisco way. They create this open-air Christmas experience meant for the kids, but obviously going to be used by the homeless. And it's so funny, too, in their marketing videos, they decided to post a video of them trying to brag about this thing. And they're like, oh, look at this. This is you entering Winter Wonderland. They have this sort of like escalator type of deal going down and there's lights and there's people juggling and there's, oh, this lady's doing face painting or whatever. And it shows this guy entertaining three children at a nearly empty place. And you can tell the camera angle that they were showing was doing everything they could to keep it tight to make it the appearance there was other people there. But essentially it was empty. I wouldn't want to take my kids around that. In fact, some of these big metropolitan areas that have issues with crime, I don't want to take my kids down there, period. It's very difficult decision because they might have amenities and attractions that are good for the children. But at the same time, you don't want to have them exposed to this to uh, the, the, the misery that's associated with all this drug use and homelessness and, uh, uh, you know, crime and drugs and uh, overdosing and trash and all this. And, you know, it's tough. It's really tough for all of those involved. Another story I wanted to get to, I saw CNN did this, and I, was, I saved this from earlier, and we were going to talk about it earlier, and I didn't get to have time to do it, but I think now might be the right time. Uh, so CNN was talking to an expert, and they said, hey, if you got kids home right now, it's winter break. you got to do something with them to keep them stimulated. You just don't want them on devices all day. So what are you going to do when it's time to ship your kids back to school? You know, they're going to have a full week off playing with their toys. Is it going to be hard to snap them back into place? Um, some people say yes. I remember being a kid and thinking this is the best time ever. Like outside the summer vacation, this is a mini summer vacation. I can play my Sony PlayStation all day. I remember having a Sony PlayStation when I was younger. Man, did I feel cool between that and the Super Nintendo when I was even younger than that. 
And, you know, you talk to your friends on the phone. Sometimes your parents would even take you over to your friend's house. You're like, wow, we'd be in school right now, but instead we're playing. How awesome is this? Gee golly, this is great. I remember spending time with, you know, family and eating whenever you wanted to eat, eating whatever you wanted, whenever was just like the greatest luxury. Uh, but kids got to go back to school at some point. CNN actually had a point they made that, hey, this is how you do it right. This is clip number two. Everybody's off their normal schedules for the next two weeks. Do you, can you give any coping strategies that can make all of that more manageable, especially when you have to get back into the routine of everything again? Right. So it's really important to be realistic and recognize that so many kids are super excited for this break because they're like, we don't have a schedule. I don't have to be at school at a certain time. I can do whatever I want. And at the same time, we know that a lot of kids actually do better when they have predictable routines. So what I often recommend to parents is it's okay to be more flexible where you can with the schedule, but talk with your kids about what to expect so they can be prepared for what's going to happen over the break in terms of changes in your schedule. And then a few days back before you go back, because that's always the hardest day is the first day back at school, start to gradually move kids back into their usual school routine so that it doesn't feel like such an abrupt change on that first day back. So this is so different than when I was a kid in a couple of different ways. One, there was no weaning your kid back to school. Your parents threw you back into the classroom and said, get out of here. I'm tired of having you around all day. There was none of this, oh, we need to start going to bed early. We need to get you back in tune with the schedule of your night rhythms. And we're going to have to pretend you're going back. We got to keep you in. So we're going to have you do some work while you're home. Yeah, okay, I get it that it's smart to do these things. But when I was growing up, there was none of this catering to the kids stuff. Like it was you do what your parents said and you didn't. There was consequences. And now we're we're trying to find ways to like mentally manipulate children to get them to listen to us. There used to be a thing that kids had was fear of their parents. I miss that. That's... <laughs> And now it's like all the parents, there's this giant conspiracy that you're, no, you have to be like your kid's best friend and you less than a parent. And it's kind of a weird trend to be in because it's so different than when my generation was growing up. 855-616-1620. All this advice from doctors. Wean your children. Oh, boy. No, I'm just going to throw them back in because that's what they need to do. Uh, by the way, there was a interview this weekend on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about cobalt as a mining operation in the Conga. My goodness, if you haven't heard that, there's a Harvard professor that was talking about his experiences witnessing this. I got to tell you about it coming up after the break on WTMJ. found out that producer Evan and I are the same age because I said Sony PlayStation and that brought back memories for him too. Uh, real quick, producer Evan, can I tell you what I miss most about video games? Yes, you can. I loved buying PlayStation Magazine where it came with a demo disc and you can try out like four or five games. It was the coolest thing ever because it, it gave you the thrill of playing the game without having to buy it. And I would play those demo discs over and over and over again and never purchase the game, and I'd be totally satisfied with just the first level. Those were the good old days, man. Yeah. They don't make them like that anymore. Yeah, those were cool. I remember doing that, too. Like, I would always get the PlayStation magazine as well and do the same thing. I, I, I would probably say maybe once or twice I actually went out and got one of the games that they featured, but I don't even ask me which one it was, but I just remember yeah. probably buying one. Oh, I only did it once. It was a game called Siphon Filter. 
and it was kind of a cool little shooter game. And it's so funny now when you're playing those old video games and even the sports video games, and you look at it and you say, these are the greatest graphics in the history of the world. There's no way it'll ever get any better. And I remember getting like the EA Sports NHL 97 on the computer, and they had somewhat of a resemblance of the player. Like it actually kind of looked like them a little bit. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then they had like a 3D version of the goaltenders' painted masks, the artwork of their masks, and what a custom deal that was. And I would play these games over and over and over again. And I just, you know, you learned the pattern and the rhythm to score a goal until it became not as challenging to score. And then you would just, like, play as your favorite team. Mine was the Red Wings. And you would just go blow out whoever you're playing over and over again. It was so satisfying. But I haven't really got into video games since then. My son has a Sony, oh, excuse me, a, a, a Nintendo Switch. And he does love playing the Switch. There's a lot of great little games on there. And I got to admit, they're, they're are fun to play some of these old Nintendo games. Uh, 855-616-1620. There was an interview over the weekend, and it went viral. And it was a Harvard professor that was exposing what he witnessed in the Congo. And part of this is the mining of cobalt in these communities. And when I say communities, we're talking like 15,000 people would go there every day to these mines. And the only way I can explain this, because they show part of the video in the interview, it's not quite what you'd expect with a quarry. So like if you drove by a quarry and you look down, it's like, wow, that goes down for a long way, you know, where mining is done. This is more or less like maybe three layers down, something like that. It looks more or less like um, a valley of rock. And they jam about 15,000 people in there, a lot of them miners. They pay them about a dollar a day to hand mine cobalt out of this area, the cobalt mining industry. And when he went out there, uh, he first, his name is uh, Sid, Sidharth Kara, K-A-R-A. He's the author of Cobalt Red. And he discussed this because he wasn't necessarily going there to cover this, but he was shocked and appalled by what he found. And he goes on to discuss that cobalt is used in pretty much any electric battery that's rechargeable. So that touches our cell phones. It touches our electric cars. Think about any rechargeable battery. Every company uses cobalt in them. And it, from the Congo, at least from this one mine, it represents maybe 75% or 80% of the world's cobalt. So there's a, a big industry. They don't pay the people properly. It's like a dollar a day to go out there mining all day. Uh, they don't have any safety regulations that they follow. And all of these different tech companies that are using it, the, the electric car companies, the computer companies, the cell phone companies, all of them that use the cobalt will publicly tell people, and the, I should say frontwardly tell the public, that, oh, no, 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 we source our cobalt from humane areas, and we pay the people right, and there are great working conditions, and you don't have to worry about it. But ultimately, this Harvard professor, Professor Kara, mentions that this is slavery, the way that they're forced to mine this for virtually a dollar a day in the conditions that they're treated in. It's, it's horrific. And he said, all these different companies are lying to you. They know where it's coming from. It's child labor. And they're fine with it because they're getting it cheap. One of my impressions with all of this, and it's just sad to see, honestly, is that when we break down the cost that is involved with creating some of this renewable energy, a lot of times we say that it's a huge environmental savior. And because 
of it. We have to move in this direction no matter what it costs. But what you end up finding is that they don't factor in a lot to the environmental impact. They don't factor in the conditions that these people are working in, let alone what they're doing to the land, let alone what they're doing to the atmosphere and the way that they uh, produce this stuff and refine it. It doesn't include transportation and the pollution that's part of the transportation, moving this stuff all across the world. It doesn't include the infrastructure, the buildings. Uh, there's so much that it doesn't actually include, but they use and they strip all of that away in order to try to make people feel better about it in the environmental impact. And ultimately it works. People just think, oh, it's green. This is great. Renewable. Everything's wonderful. But there is a seedy underbelly of child slavery that goes on to produce this stuff. It's really shocking and sad, and I think we have to be more realistic. In a way, when we produce oil and natural gas and we mine it here in the United States, we have OSHA and these other regulatory agencies to make sure that people are treated properly, safely, humanely. But when you start to rely on these out of these countries, the like Conga that are producing this stuff, there are no regulations. And you're paying more for this energy. Like Natural gas and oil, the fossil fuels, relatively cheap. Nuclear, cheap. If you continue to use the reactors that are in service today without decommissioning them, these are cheap energy sources. Instead, people are referring and going back to more uh, expensive energy. And it's still ex imagine if you were to pay these people properly and, and do this the right way. Then how much would it cost even more so? And then we're going to run out of these minerals. Then what happens to the scarcity side of it when you've tried to wean off all these other fossil fuels and, and close down the option to continue on with the cheaper energy? Uh, it's not apples to apples uh, to comparisons. And in many different ways, they are lying to you and to make it look more appealing and better than it is. But in the reality of things, this is really horrific. That interview was a great one, and it has a lot of... Uh, evidence to push that point through, and I think it's well worth the book if you want to look it up. But it's called Cobalt Red, worth checking out. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on WTMJ. All righty, righty, righty. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us here today. This day after Christmas is always a historical, quiet one in the radio industry. So. Uh, thanks for all the text messages. You did help make the day go by a little bit quicker. I'll be back again tomorrow filling in for Jeff Wagner. So I think we'll have it again. And hopefully uh, more people are by the radio in their cell phones where they can call in. Just one quick way to end the show today. I was looking at some of the Google trends for the year, the biggest trends of 2022. I think it may surprise you what are the top 10 search terms in the United States for this past year. I'm just going to give you the top 10, and I think it's going to really surprise you. Number one, Wordle. <laughs> what? Why Wordle? Number two, election results. Then it goes Betty White, who passed away this year. Queen Elizabeth, who passed away. Now, I'm guessing the Queen Elizabeth is probably bumped up in different parts of the world, but here in the United States, Betty White was very important. Number five was Bob Saget, the comedian who passed away. Number six is Ukraine. Then Mega Millions, Powerball Numbers, Anne Heche. And Jeffrey Dahmer, man, you know what would be great? If there was a movie where you don't necessarily get to look into the future or time travel, but you're allowed to find out what are the top trending words that were searched that year. Like I can say, okay, my crystal ball won't exactly give me the lotto numbers, but it'll tell me the top five things people search for uh, in 2052. Do you think you'd be able to put the pieces together to figure out what happened.
top athletes. I'm looking at top uh, definitions, top people, top news. Let's look at top news. Number one, election results, Queen Elizabeth passing, Ukraine, Powerball numbers, Hurricane Ian, monkeypox, Texas school shooting, Will Smith Oscars. You remember that? The slap. Johnny Depp verdict and Roe v. Wade. Those were the top news stories. I'm surprised the Roe v. Wade's not higher. That motivated a lot of people to uh, go out and vote. All right, that'll do it for me. Uh, Find me online, ryanrecker.com, if you want to find my socials on there. We can connect again tomorrow on WTMJ.